standing for just a moment. Grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter number 2. Genesis chapter number 2, verse number 18. We're going to read just a few verses and, uh, and, and get going. How many of y'all believe that, that guidelines and directions are real important? How many of y'all believe that listening to them when they're giving out is even more important? I heard about, a, I heard about a, a gentleman, an older gentleman, who went to the doctor... And the, and the doctor gave him a checkup and gave him the medicine and, and said, let me just tell you some things you need to do, you know, some things you need to remember, uh, uh, some changes you need to make in your life and everything. Give me some guidelines to go by. And, and uh, so he took them and, and, and went about his business. About two months later, the doctor was in a restaurant and uh, eating uh, dinner with his wife. And here comes that same older gentleman, comes in the restaurant with a much, much younger woman. And, buddy, he is living it up. I'm talking about he's having himself a time in that, in that restaurant. Well, that bothered the doctor. You know, he said, man, I gave him some instructions to go by, so I'm going to go talk to him. So he went and, and said, sir, do you remember coming to my office? He said, I sure do. He said, you remember them guidelines I gave you to live by? He said, I sure do. He says, what are you doing? He said, well, you said get a hot mama and be cheerful. He said, no, I didn't. I said, you had a heart murmur. Be careful. So, <laughs> the moral of that story is I need you to pay close attention today. Amen? Amen. How many of y'all are glad it's okay to smile and have a good time? Amen? The Bible says that cheer, a, a, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, and some of y'all need a prescription. Amen? It's okay to smile. It's okay to enjoy God's people. Amen? I want to I want to share a verse with you Genesis chapter number two verse eighteen and then we're going to look at just a couple verses in Ecclesiastes but they'll put them on the screen there for us so let's look in Genesis chapter number two in verse number eighteen the Bible says this and the Lord God said it is not what not good that the man should be alone I will make him a helpmeet for him. Now, let me say this again. And the Lord God said, it is not that the man should be, what? Alone. Do you realize that up until this point, up until this point in the book of Genesis, in the beginning of our Bible, uh, God made the trees and said, that's good. He made the ocean and said, it is good. He made the, the stars and the moon and the sun and everything in every part of creation. And he said, that's good, that's good, that's good. Everything he made was good. Now, all of a sudden, God looks down at man all by himself, man being alone, and the first time in your Bible you hear the phrase, that's not good. That's not good. Now, watch what it says in Ecclesiastes. Up here on the screen, or you can turn, it, it, it doesn't matter, Ecclesiastes chapter number 4. It says this, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. How many of y'all know when you're doing some kind of work, when you're getting together and working together, that when you have more people to help, it's a whole lot better? I mean, that's a no-brainer, amen? Watch what this next verse says. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? Alone. Well, what's, the, what's the point? I think the point that God is trying to teach us, it is not good to live life alone. 
It is not good. Now, now, when I say that, I'm not talking about if you're single, you need to hurry up and get married. That's not what I'm saying at all. Say amen right there. I'm not saying that at all. You'll pick the first turkey that comes by. Don't do that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's not good to face tragedies alone. It's not good to face sicknesses alone. It's not good to face the trials of life and the difficulties of life alone. God does not want that. In the very beginning of the book of Acts, you'll find the early church kicking off and going forward. And, and, and many times you'll see them gather together. They gather together for fellowship. They gather together for food. They gather together for prayer. What is the point? God does not want you facing life alone. When you do that, God said, that is not good. And all God's people said, Father, thank you for your blessings, your mercy. Your kindness, Lord, I pray that you'll just give us what we stand in need of today. I pray your perfect will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. We have, we have a, a process, if you will. Uh, how many of y'all know that, that, that every church should be doing every they can, the, everything they can to develop disciples? You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of church members all over the country and uh, that's, as, that's about as far as it goes. They, they've got their name on a roll somewhere, but they're not accomplishing anything for the cause of Christ. God does not want church members. He wants Christ followers. He wants people who will sell out, people who will commit, people who will give everything they can to follow Jesus Christ in their life and be obedient to the call of God in their life. Are y'all with me? very important so so we are to strive here at temple we're doing everything we can to develop disciples now how do we do that well one of the things that we've learned is that being a disciple means that you love god he said that jesus was asked the question what is the most important commandment if there was a commandment that was the top dog if it was the number one what would be the most important commandment and he said love the lord thy god with all thy heart all thy soul and all thy mind and he went further on to say in another chapter he said unless a man will hate his father his mother his sister his brother even his own life he cannot be my disciple now in order to really understand that you got to understand the word hate there means love less so what God is saying is you must love your family less than me. You must love your job less than me. You must love your hobbies less than me. You must love even your own life less than me. He has to be a priority. God wants us to love him. And he says if you're not willing to love him, you cannot be a disciple. Where do we love God? Here at Temple Baptist Church, where do we love God? In our worship services. During our worship and our singing in every service today, it's, it's, it's been electric. I mean, uh, from the very beginning, from the first service all the way to the end, we are coming and we're singing to him. Man, I, I think about when Christ burst forth in glorious light and the devil not being able to conquer him and then thinking about what Jesus has done for us. He's forgiven me of all my sin, all my disobedience, all my rebellion. He saved my soul from hell. He came to me when I couldn't get to him. He came to where I was and brought me to where he is. I can't help but love. Him. I ought to be in hell today, but he forgave me. He saved me. He changed my life. I, there's no telling where I would be today if God had not come to me. Man, I love him. I love him for the family he gave me. I love him for the church he gave me. I love him for the people and the friends he gave me. I love him. And I want him to know that. So I sing like that. And I preach like that. And I pray like that. And I, I just want to give him my best. I love him. And that's what we should do in our worship. We love him. But see, that's not all. That's not all. 
The Bible says this, that when he was asked a question, he said the second is as the first. We're to love our neighbor as ourselves. Say amen. Say oh me. How many of y'all there have been some neighbors? That's hard to do sometimes. But aren't you glad God will not send you to do something? He won't give you the ability to do it. There's some people that that I love that it wasn't my love that was doing it. It was, (laughs) amen, God's love through me. Now, where do we practice that? If in our process here at Temple, we want to love God, we do that in our worship. But where do we love others? In our life groups. In our life groups. That's where we live life together. Listen, I want to share with you just a couple things that take place in life groups. And just kind of emphasize this a little bit. And there's going to be an aha moment in here. There was for me. How many of y'all know what an aha moment is? That's that moment you really get it. I mean, it really, you say, aha, all right? There is going to be an aha moment in this deal that I believe with all of my heart is going to help you, okay? So I want you to write two points down. We're just going to take two points here and, and talk about them a minute. So, so what, what do we accomplish in life groups? When we gather together and we meet and, 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 and we're there with our, our, our Christian brothers and sisters, uh, first thing, life groups are to sharpen. To sharpen. Say that word with me. To, to sharpen. Watch what happens. Watch what happened. The Bible says in, in, in uh, Proverbs chapter number 27, verse 17, it says, If the iron be blunt, uh, he do not, or excuse me, let me, I, I, wrong verse, I, Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. What does that mean? In Hebrews 10, 24, it says, Let us consider one another to provoke. Say that word with me. To provoke. Unto love and to good works. You know what the word provoke means? To sharpen. means to make better. Make better. What does that mean? God expects us in our relationships with one another to make each other better. To challenge each other. To hold each other accountable. We are to make each other better. If the people you are hanging with is not making you better, you better change your friends. If they are not leading you to the place that you want to go, there's a lot of people that's got great, listen, great aspirations and and great dreams. But the problem is they're not hanging around the people that can get them to where they're wanting to go. But we're to make each other better. We're to provoke each other. We're to sharpen one another. Now, here's, here's here's the deal. Here's the aha moment. Watch what it says. Watch what it says in Ecclesiastes 10.10. This is so good. If the iron be blunt, it's talking about the axe head. How many of y'all have ever seen an axe head? All right, seen an axe head, okay, all right. The axe head, the iron be blunt, and he do not wet the edge. In other words, sharpen that axe. If he do not wet the edge, then he must put to more strength. He must put, excuse me, then must he put to more strength. What does that mean? If you've got a dull axe, you got to work harder. I mean, that's simple. This is not real rocket science right here, okay? If you've got a dull axe, you've got to work harder to make it happen. You've got to work longer to make it happen. You've got to exert more energy to make it happen. It's a more struggle to make it happen. It's more difficult to get the job done. So what's the point? Abraham Lincoln said this. He said, if I was given eight hours to cut down a tree, I would spend seven hours sharpening my saw. He said, I would spend the time necessary 
to sharpen the saw. Why? To make the work easier. Now, what does that got to do with us today? What does that got to do with us today? Here's the point. How many times do people complain and whine about their life situation, but they won't take steps to change it? Oh, my goodness, I just need God to give me some more money. I just need God to give me, well, if I could just make some more money. That's not the answer. That's not the answer, because if God gave you more money, you would spend more money. Now, let's be real a minute. Can, can we take the halos off for just a minute and be honest? Because I, I see some of y'all, you're already getting the attitude already. I can see it already, and it's just going to get worse. Watch this right here. How many of y'all, when you made $5 an hour, you spent $5 an hour? And you dreamed about the day that you could make $10 an hour. And then the day came that you made $10 an hour. Guess what you did? You spent $10 an hour. You say, how do you know it? Because you still have no savings. You still have no investments. You still are in the same financial shape. You just got more bills. So what did we do? We didn't wet the edge. We're complaining about our financial status and complaining and whining about our financial situation, but we won't take measures to fix it. We won't take an opportunity to learn how to budget, to learn how to shop uh, uh, more economically, to learn how to find deals, to learn how to invest. Are y'all with me? No, we just want to complain about where we are and think, oh, if God would just help me and give me the... No, he... No. Oh, let me give you another one. Let me give you another How about relationships? If I just had another man... Oh, if God would just give me a different woman than this crazy one I got right now. And guess what we do? We take the baggage from the old relationship into the new relationship. And the problem is not the person. The problem is you don't have the skills to make the relationship work. You need to learn how to communicate. You need to learn how to cooperate. Am I preaching to anybody today? So all we do, all we do is compound the problem because the one you're getting is just as sorry as the one you got. Say amen. I see, it's not the answer. You see, God's not wanting to change your situation. He's wanting to change you. Let me give you a real, a real eye-opening life truth here. This world's never going to change. This world is never going to get any easier. The problems in relationships never, there's no such thing as a relationship without conflict. You may tell you the great relationships. Oh, that relationship is made in heaven. Nuh-uh. Because they've got two people in them. You may tell you what makes the difference in the relationship. Not the problems they face. That has nothing to do with it. Because they face the same problems you face. It's they've changed. They've gotten better. They've got a little education. They've learned how to solve conflict. You see, God wants us to sharpen. We're not here just wasting time. We're not coming to church here just because it's a Sunday thing to do. We're here to get better. We're here to get stronger. We're here to grow in our faith. We're here to learn how to make our lives better because not that the world changes, but we change. Is this making sense? We ask God to take away the things that make us afraid. But God doesn't want to take the things away. He wants to make you fearless. Have you ever heard that, that, that phrase, 
you feed a, you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. But if you teach him to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. And what God is saying here in this deal, I, I, I don't want to change your circumstance because if I do, you're just going to get afraid in the next one. But if I can teach you to change who you are and be better, be stronger, then no matter what you face, it's going, it's going to change everything about that. See, that's why more money's not the answer. It's handling it better, investing it better. It's saving it better. If you learn to live under your means, you'll always be rich. And by the way, if you ever learn to do that, then God will give you more because he can trust you with more. I hope, I hope, you, I hope you're getting this. Because some of you beg God to take you out of the situation you're in. But God says, I want you to get better. I want you to grow. I want you to mature. How many of y'all didn't like school when you was in school? I wanted to quit the first grade and get a job. I, I hated school. I hated it. When I graduated high school, I said, I'm never going to study another day in my life. God called me to preach, now i got to study every day. <laughs> Y'all know God's got a sense of humor. Don't ever say never. I said, we'll never. It'll be a cold day. We'll never go to two services. <laughs> Don't ever tell God never. But y'all get me? We had to go to school. That your parents made you. Even, how, how many of y'all hated tests? Them, them, them quizzes. Yeah, pop quizzes. You know why they're named pop quizzes? Because when you hear you got it, you want to pop him right in the mouth. That's why. <laughs> Am I right? But guess what? You made him go. Because you knew your child needed the education to live in a crazy world. And this is the point. God wants you to gather together. When we meet in our life groups, and I know you think, this don't have nothing to do with life groups. Watch this. How do we make each other better? How do we make each other better in, in, in life groups? First, there's application to the preaching. There's application to the preaching. Every time you gather together, you apply what you heard to your everyday life. We give you questions to ask each other and challenge each other. You see, in that atmosphere, you can raise your hands. I got a question about such and such. We want you to. We want you to interact. But in here, you can't ask questions. But there you can. And you can challenge each other. How do you apply? How many of y'all know if, if you, you could be prescribed medicine, but if you don't apply it, it don't work? You go back to the doctor and say, well, did you get to take the medicine I gave you? Well, no, not, not really. I, I didn't take that. Do you know your doctor is going to get ticked off at you? How many of y'all know that? Do you know what frustrates me more than anything on in this world? Nothing, I don't think nothing aggravates me as much as this. When people come in to me and say, I've got this issue and that issue, I say, well, we can take this step and this step and this step. And they go, and two weeks later, they come back with the same problem, whining even more than they was before. And I say, well, did you do this, this, and this? Well, no, I didn't do none of that. Then why are you here? I promise you, I, I guarantee you, if you work the Bible, it'll work. 
if you apply the Bible to your relationships, if you apply the Bible to your problems, if you apply the Word of God, it will work if you work it. God said, don't be a hearer of the Word, be a, a doer of the Word. And see, it is then that we can apply this. We can ask questions. How does this deal, how does this, what does this have to do with our everyday life? In life groups where we can apply, we can uh, put application to the message. All right, then secondly, write this down. Not only is there application of preaching, but there's accountability. And this is so important. Everybody needs accountability. Everybody, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Everybody needs accountability. Everybody needs that person or that group that can keep us in check. I'm talking about from the pulpit to the pew. Everybody does, and I'll prove it. How many of y'all believe Peter was a pretty good guy? He was the inner circle. He was in the, on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was in the garden when Jesus uh, sweated great drops of blood. I mean, he was pretty tight with Jesus. Uh, he's, Jesus told him, I give thee the keys to the kingdom. And, uh, and he preached on the day of Pentecost, saw thousands of people saved. So how many of y'all know he's a pretty good guy? But you know what? He had an issue in his life. He got some things mixed up in his life. And you know what? Watch, watch what it says in Galatians. Watch what it says in Galatians. This is Paul speaking. He says, but when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face. Do y'all get that? Everybody say, well, you're a Christian. You should not be challenged. No, no. This is Paul. How many of y'all believe Paul was a good guy? I mean, Paul was the deal. And Paul is confronting Peter. because. And I'm not going to go into the whole story. I, that's homework. You go check out the story of why Peter got challenged by Paul. Watch what it says. I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. What does that mean? Everybody, even Peter and Paul, need somebody in their life that's willing to say, Hey, every man in this room, every man in this room needs that friend that is willing and able to come up here and say, Listen, you ought not talk to your wife like that. Every lady in this room needs that person to be able to say, hey, hey, you, don't, you, shouldn't, you, know, you, you shouldn't criticize your husband in public like that and downgrade him in public. That's not going to help your relationship whatsoever. We all need accountability. Now, I, let me put this out there. Let me put this out there. This is, not, this is not a free pass to mind everybody else's business. Are y'all with me? One of my favorite Hank Williams Jr. songs, Mind Your Own Business, and You Won't Be Minding Mine. Say amen right there. And if we were a little less spiritual, I'd play it for you. Amen. I'd, but we're, we can't do that. Amen. Well, what do you mean? You just said, child, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Until you've developed a relationship with that person, you have no right to get in their face. I've got some friends of mine. I've got some friends of mine right now that they will get in my face. If they see me doing something inappropriate or if they see me doing something that's going to that's gonna hurt my ministry or issues like that, they will say, hey, Malcolm, what's up with this right here? And you know why? Because they vested time in me. And I vested time in them. Let, let's, let's explain it this way. Let's just be real simple about this. For every, and this, this works, parents, with your children... You may wonder why little Johnny keeps rebelling against you and your, your little Susie keeps getting an attitude with you. For every one negative thing you say, you have to counteract it with seven positives. 
And let me tell you what's wrong with a lot of youngins is the only time they see you is when you got something critical to say. And so here, here's what happens. You have no collateral in the bank. You have no capital in the bank. So you're writing checks on no capital. I'm not telling you something I think. I'm telling you something I know. I experienced this with my own daughters. It was, a, it was the most heartbreaking day of my life when I realized she was telling the truth. I was getting on to one of them uh, about something, and I, I think it was about something they wear. I got four girls. You know it was going to be something like that. Amen. And I said something about it, and, and, and she said, the only time I hear from you is when you're mad about something or when I'm doing something wrong. You know what she was telling me? I have no, I have no capital in the bank. I haven't said seven positives to counteract that one negative. All they hear is the negative, and we wonder why we're bouncing checks. What's the point? You've got to have a relationship with that person. The people that keep me in check and the people I keep in check, I've got vested interest in them. They know I love them. They know I've invested them to the point that if they do get a little sideways, I can say, hey, what's up with this? I don't think that's, I don't think that's the best thing for your life. And you know what? In every single service, in every single service, guess what happened when we got to this point? And I shared this. It got just as quiet as it is right now. You know why? Nobody likes accountability. Nobody. Nobody likes to be accountable to anything. That's why we got people murdering people. We got, we, we got, we got, there's no accountability in college sports. There's no accountability in pro sports. Oh, it's not a reason, you know, my, my grandmother didn't give me a piece of apple pie when I was three, so I killed four people. You know, it's not my fault. Nobody wants to be accountable to anything. But let me tell you something. We'll always struggle in our Christian life if we don't have accountability. And I, I said we own all of this stuff, guys. I need it. I need it. If, if Peter needed some accountability, I think we're all in the same boat. Amen? Accountability. You see, I can, make, I, can, I can help better the people in my group like the people can help me get sharper by being held accountable. Now, that's not fun. How, how, much, how, much, how many of y'all in here would believe that when, when Paul withstood Peter to the face, that the blood came into his earlobes? How many of y'all would know that? Now, how do I know that? Because people have confronted me. And my first reaction is to get bowed up. But then I realize who's speaking to me. They're my friend. And they love me. So apparently, I need to deal with this. Amen? Number two. Not only, not only do we sharpen each other in our life groups, but here's a really important one. Life groups is a place to sharpen, but life groups is a place to shape shape form shape what does the bible say <clears throat> in romans eight twenty eight, we love quoting eight twenty eight because it says that god's gonna work stuff out for us you know uh we know that all things work together for good to them to love god to them who are the called according to his purpose well why does he allow those stuff and he changes those stuff and works that stuff in our life he works the good stuff in and the bad stuff and he, all the stuff the devil tries to throw our way to destroy us. God will just take it all and he'll mold it and fix it and work it together. What, what, what does he do that? Because in verse 29, his purpose is this. He says, for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed. Say that word with me. To be conformed to the image of his son. So what, what is he saying? 
He's saying that God's purpose for our life is for us to be like Jesus, for us to act like Jesus, for us to talk like Jesus, for us to think like Jesus. What does he say in Philippians 4? Let this mind be in you, this way of thinking. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. I'm talking about the king became the servant, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Are y'all with me? What, when, you, when you picture Jesus' life, what do you see? Sacrifice. In every area of his life, in his mode of thinking, every part of him, it's ultimate sacrifice. And we love quoting, for God so loved the world. What is that? Where's that at? In the Bible, where's for God so loved the world? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We love reading what God sacrificed for us. He gave his only begotten son, right? What about 1 John 3.16? Everybody can quote John 3.16, but what is 1 John 3.16? Watch what it says. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. Now watch this, everybody, because this is real important. And we, and we... You know what that word means? Obligation. We as Christians have an obligation. Watch this. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Mmm. Mmm. What does that mean? It means this. Christianity is not always convenient. He laid down his life for us sometimes we're going to have to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean taking a bullet? No, that's not what he's saying. Sometimes you're going to have to do stuff you don't want to do for the brethren. Sometimes you're going to have to do what you don't feel like doing for the brethren. It means sacrifice. Let me give you an illustration. Last week, I don't know what it was about last week. I guess preaching on Revelation, it'll just get you jacked up and it's just emotional. And I was totally totally exhausted last week after the third service it, it don't matter after the third service i'm i'm about done i mean i, I am done till about one o'clock tomorrow and I, my life group's on on sunday evening i'm tired i'm talking i'm last week I, I i laid down as soon as i got home i laid down and and, and and the seattle game was starting and i was gonna watch that football game man i was excited i laid and i'm gonna say i'm gonna shut my eyes just for a minute and i'm gonna watch this i'm gonna watch this football game i don't remember nothing else all I remember is waking up, and it was dark. And I'm like, I'm like wigged out because, you know, when it's daylight and it's dark, when you, and you, 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 I didn't know what time it was. I didn't know what day it was. I didn't know if I slept through the whole thing. And I, I was thinking, oh, my goodness, I missed it. And I looked up, and Russell Wilson was standing on the stand with confetti falling. So I missed the whole thing. And I looked, and I looked, and I'm, oh, and I looked at my watch. I had 30 minutes. I had to hurry up and get, I had 30 minutes to get the group. Guess what? I didn't feel like going. I know that's not spiritual, but I'm just telling you, I was so tired. I was exhausted. But you know what? I'm glad I went. When I got there, they had food. Say amen right there. <laughs> hey, when I got there, we had a blast. And I was so glad I went. What's the point? The point is this. You're not always going to feel like being a Christian. Do you always feel like turning the cheek when they give you the California high sign in, in traffic? 
Do, do you always feel like turning the other cheek when, you're, when your boss cusses you out and you got to act like a Christian because you know other people know you go to church and you got to have your testimony? Hello? Sometimes. Sometimes it requires sacrifice. I'm, not, I, I, I'm, I'm just trying to be honest, guys. It, it, being in group, being in group, you're in group with imperfect people. So guess what? They're going to make mistakes. They're not going to be perfect. They're not going to do everything right. Oh, well, I'll tell you what, I was in that group, and they didn't even call me when I had to blow my nose. <laughs> well, just, just get over it. Just, just, just forgive them and, and just say, look, they're, 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 they're human. They're human. How, how many of y'all have never made a mistake? Ne- never made a mistake. Now think about this. Never made a mistake. See? We're all in the same boat. Well, I tell you what, if I went to group, then I'd have to, you'd have to sacrifice a little bit. Well, guess what? That makes you like Jesus. Amen? Lastly, since we're enjoying this one so good. Being like Jesus means sacrifice, but it means support too. There are several one another's in the Bible. Several one another's that God expects us to do one for another. Be kind one to another. Love one another. Prefer one another. Receive one another. Admonish one another. Serve one another. Forbearing one another. Forgiving one another. Edify one another. Exhort one another. Consider one another. What do you do in life groups? We try to do all them things. Let me give you this illustration and we'll go. Does anybody in here, I hope, I hope I get a good response to this, because the first service and the second service, it was pitiful. Does anybody in here watch the National Geographic? Thank you, Jesus. In the last service, like two of them. And I'm thinking, this is why our world's going to hell right here. Nobody will educate themselves. Amen. All right. If you, if you, if, even if you hadn't watched the National Geographic, how many of y'all have seen like a, a documentary with lions and, and, and chasing their prey? Okay, great, great. Do you know what they do? They work as a team. And I've watched them like with a, a, a herd of gazelles or a herd of zebras or, or whatever that might be. They're on the stalk and they're hunting them down. And you know what they do? They will, they will pinpoint and they will eyeball and they will look for the sick one. They will look for the tired, exhausted one. They will look for the young, weak one. And they will keep working that herd and circling that herd until they can get the weak one or the tired one, and they can cut him off from the herd. They will will pull him, and they will pin him, and they will get him cut off from the herd. Why? Because in the herd, there's protection. In the herd, there's provision. In the herd, there's care. Because that lion knows if he runs up in that, that herd of zebras, they'll stomp him to death. Say amen. I mean, them big ones and them healthy ones, and they'll run around. And they, he's had a bad day. So they got to get him away from the herd. You know, one of the greatest descriptions of the devil is this. He's a roaring. And let me, let me help you with something. The devil is not, he, he's not, God is everywhere. God can be anywhere and everywhere at the same time. The devil is a created being. He can't do that. So he operates with help. 
He has demons operating, listen, working with him. And you know what he's doing? He's cutting people from the herd. And this is the thing. This is the thing. Your church, your life group. You know what happens? Life happens. And you're experiencing, you're experiencing difficulty and you get tired. You get tired spiritually. You get weak spiritually. You get sick spiritually. Problems come. Tragedies come. Layoffs come. Sicknesses come. Problems in marriages come. You know what the devil's watching? Because I can get that one. So behind the scenes, he's working. He's trying to cut you off from the herd. And you know what the first thing we do when we go through troubles and trials and tribulations? We quit group. Or we quit church. Or we quit fellowshipping. And you know what's happening? We don't even realize it. But Satan and his demons are cutting you off. Why? Because it's in your group that you're going to find encouragement. It's in your group you're going to find protection and prayer. Don't get cut off. Maybe you've already been cut off and you quit. Well, start back. I don't have a group. Find one. Let's get in a group. This pastor, this pastor was sitting in his den and he was sitting in front of the fire and, and a man who had gotten away from God and a young guy and he's just, just kind of got away from God and got out of church and he's just struggling and well, he comes to the pastor with a problem and he's sitting there in the den beside the pastor and the pastor hadn't said a word and he's telling him all his issues, all his problems and the struggles he has now and the weaknesses he has now and he's sitting there. The pastor just 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 takes the tongs and reaches in that fire and there's a coal in that fire that's glowing red. And he takes that coal out of that fire and he sets it off by itself. Never says a word. Sets it off by itself and sits back down in his chair and he's listening to the gentleman. And the whole time the gentleman's trying to tell him to store his eyes on that coal. And that piece of coal is going from red glowing hot and it gets dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And by the time that, that that young man's through telling the story to the preacher, the preacher reaches over there and he grabs that coal and puts it right back in the middle of that fire. And it ain't long before that thing glowing red again. What's the point? If you try to face life on your own, you're going to get cold in a heartbeat. But if you just sell out and fall in and say, hey, we're in this thing together. We're in this thing together. God will keep it glowing red hot. When I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I didn't even say this in the other two, but I, I'm feeling it right now for some reason. When, 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 when Andrew was in the hospital, there would be a certain time that we could go in in the, the neuro ICU unit and, and we'd have to stand outside in a little hallway before they'd open the doors. And, and, and we had a ton of people up there from the church all the time waiting to be with Andrew's family and to be with Andrew, and we're sitting there. Well, I was sitting there one day, and I, 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 was, I noticed this, this young lady, probably a, a, a teen, older teenager, maybe 17, 16 years old, and she was sitting by herself. And she had her, she had her head in her hands. She was sitting on the ground in her knees, and she had her knees crossed. She had her arms over her knees, and, and her old head was buried in her, in her arms. She was crying. And I, I just saw her, man, my heart just broke. And, and I went down, and I sat beside her, and I said, I said, ma'am, are you okay? And her mom was in the ICU unit, in a coma. 
She didn't have nobody. She didn't have no family. She didn't have no friends. She didn't have anything. And here she is, facing possibly being in life alone, period. She's facing her mom going through these struggles alone. And I thought, this is not the way it's supposed to be. We prayed with her, and I, I kind of gave her a little hug, and, and I said, if there's anything we can do, and we, we tried to minister to her the best we could. Guys, that's not what God intended. He said, it is not good for man to be alone. The redwood trees in California, 300 feet tall, 2,500 2, years old. The, the, the largest living things on the planet I've never seen them. I've heard people tell me about them. They said it's just ridiculous. Unbelievable when you see them in person. I saw pictures. You would think something 300 feet tall would have a root going 100 feet in the ground. But guess what? They don't. They have a very shallow root system. Very shallow. But all of those redwood trees are intertwined. All of their roots are intertwined and interlocked together. So that when the storms come and the winds blow, they need each other to stand. And it is through the power of being united and interlocked together that they can make it through the storm. What's the point? They have to have each other to survive. And guess what? So do we. So do we. I challenge you. Get connected. Get connected. You don't need to go through life alone. And all God's people say it. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray. I pray that you'll help us, Lord. I pray that you'll strengthen us. I pray that you'll give us what we stand in need of. Lord, I, I, I don't know who's here, and I don't know what the needs are, but I know that you do, and I pray that you'll meet them. I pray for that one that's discouraged. I pray for that one that's facing life alone. I pray they'll get connected today. I pray for that one that needs to trust you as their Savior. I pray that they'd come. I pray for that one that's just down. Lord, maybe they've kind of got out. Maybe they've kind of got away. Maybe, maybe Satan has done his best to, to cut them from the herd. Maybe they're like that coal. They, they used to be red hot. They used to be on fire. There used to be a day where they couldn't wait. They were just so excited. But now things are dim and things are cold. I pray that you'll move in their spirit, move in their heart today. I pray for that one that's just down I pray that you'll lift them up I pray your perfect will be done in Jesus name we pray amen let's stand if you need to come we'll have altar workers on this side if you need someone to pray with you if you need to be saved if you, if you need to join up whatever, whatever your need may be if you need some assistance we'll have some people here to help you Maybe you just need to pray and talk to God alone. You just need some private time with God alone. We'll leave this side of the altar open for you. Come as we sing. Come as we sing. Sing with all you got. I must tell Jesus all of my burdens. I must tell Jesus all of my problems. Do you have a need that you need to pray for? Come on. Come on. I cannot bear my burdens alone. Burdens alone in my distress, he kindly. Will.
everybody sing with all you got on this side right here. Help us. So I, I must tell Jesus. I must tell him my burdens. I must tell him my problems, my struggles. I cannot my burdens alone. Burdens alone. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. Jesus can help me. Jesus alone. And all God's people said, amen. We're going to take up our tithes and our offerings today. This is a time when we give back to God in our worship. We're here to, 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 to show him how much we love him and appreciate what he's done for us. So let's pray and ask the Lord to bless and meet the need. Lord, thank you for all that you do. Thank you for what you're going to do in this offering. Lord, use it for your glory. Use it, multiply it in such a way 